real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is November 6, 2019, and today I call it my anniversary. Even though a few of you know that's off by a date, and uh, that'll be explanatory. So today we have a lot um, to talk about, a lot of time hops, and a lot of um, things we should, uh, I guess, understand uh, a little bit better. So that way we know what is coming and what is happening. Uh, we're going to examine what a genius strategy our president had and implemented for the first almost three years of his administration, which is the economy, because this is key. The more people you pull out of poverty, the less likely it is for them to request or approve of uh, socialist programs. So in actual fact, November 5th is actually my anniversary, but there's a reason that I didn't mention it. And uh, the reason is a clip that I'm going to play for you. Um, I'm all about, um, I say, treason. We should not underestimate treasonous people. Take a listen. It's that I dedicate this concerto in honor of the holiday she seems to have taken from these parts and in recognition of the imposter that stands in her stead. Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie? Um, November the 4th. Not anymore. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. First, the overture. Yes, yes, the strings. Listen carefully, can you hear it? Now the brass. I can hear it. He blew up the fake Lady Justice, per se, iconically. And this is something that our president wants us to remember, the 5th of November. Um, it's important that we remember it because a lot of things happened yesterday. A lot of things that we didn't see, that we didn't realize happened. Um, while the left today is bombarding us uh, with distractions and claiming uh, that they have won the battle because of what happened in Kentucky, what they do not realize is is that it's 
all coming apart at this. Well, no, they do realize it. This is why they're doing it. But what we average people don't realize is that it's coming apart at the seams, coming apart at the seams. Now, uh, I don't know if any of you follow George Webb, but it's important that um, I play his coverage of the uranium trial update from yesterday. Uh, it's a very short clip. I want you guys to listen to it. And, uh, well, listen to... Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, November the 5th, uh, 2000... Hold on. What I wanted to say is before I restart it is that... Um, 19 George Webb here in Greenbelt, Maryland at Maryland District Court, U.S. District Court. Uh, okay, so it's not really working with me. So there is a star witness... Uh, that came in, but he's going to mention something that's key, and this is going to be where we're going to have a conversation and revisit things that I talked about on November 6th of 2017 and November 6th of 2018 and why they're important now. Because sometimes if we look to the past, it clearly outlines what's happening today and what is to come in the future. And, uh, uh, you know, I say this not from the point of reference of Project Pegasus or Alice in Wonderland, but uh, what I'm talking about it from is from the, the point of reference of um, predictive movements, okay? Because everyone can see that. If you stand on the moon and look at events unfold, it makes sense. Kind of how I was telling you about Venezuela. And we'll get to that because Scott Adams, who is sick today, is like the hundredth person that has either told me, texted me, or sent me an email telling me, oh my God, have you seen Jack Ryan season two on Amazon? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I haven't. It was pretty good. I was like, oh my gosh, Jack Ryan, like while this is going on, it's like, oh my gosh, I see you in there. Like everything you're talking about is in there. And what's weird is what, came out to most people that heard this was, wait a minute, over a year ago, you kind of said the same thing. They're distracting us, telling us Iran, Russia, and China are a threat. But who was it? Venezuela. Remember, you guys heard about Venezuela before anyone heard about Venezuela. And, you know, that was a risk and a jump that I took um, to kind of... Uh, let my listeners know how to see things themselves. I mean, you don't really have to be a time traveler or have a, a crystal ball under your desk. It's it's all there. We all can see it. So anyway, let's take a listen to what George Webb has to say quickly. Uh, where the uh, star witness just has finished testimony, one of the four CEOs, this is one of the four CEOs that was convicted of bribery uh, for the uh, transportation logistics, TLI. Uh, Darren Condry uh, came here. I believe he came uh, under protective custody. Uh, I believe he's currently serving a term here in Maryland. Uh, we had protective custody people bring him in and 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 uh, and sh- shev- uh, shuttle him in and out of the courtroom. Testified yesterday at day four of the trial. Today's day five of the trial. I went through, got all the 
pretrial motions, um, uh, quite a few uh, arguments about evidence and whether certain evidence could be entered or not. But what is painfully obvious here today is Darren Condry's got some kind of deal to testify against Mark Lambert, and he's leveraging this testimony in order to get out of jail uh, if he, uh, for whatever time he has left. The other thing we learned today is the key person that's doing all these bribes, this, these personal kickbacks from the Russian uh, uranium company called Tenex, Mr. Mikorin, uh, he's definitely um, had relationships with all four CEOs and kickback schemes with all four CEOs. They're called remuneration schemes. So we also found out uh, a lot about evidence today with the whistleblower, supposedly, which is William Campbell. So there's a lot of a lot of things going on here. But the key testimony here today was, um, when did you know about a kickback scheme uh, to Mikorin? Remember, there's two huge... Uh, deals here involved between the Soviet Union and the United States. Not only Uranium One, not only exporting all this uranium to St. Petersburg from the port of New Orleans, where Mark Lambert worked, beginning in uh, 2002 time frame. Remember, they've all come, all the CEOs come from this very small company called Edlo, and now they're cutting this business over uh, to uh, transport logistics. So these really folks are in an exclusive position to transport uranium all the way going back to 1993 with Russia since the fall of the Soviet Union. The other major program that they're involved in is called Megatons to Megawatts. Megatons to Megawatts is Russian uh, highly enriched uranium from nuclear missiles being transported to the United States. This is where I go to Piketon, Ohio, and I'm finding out, wait a minute, uh, it's supposed to be downblended at these various stages and then brought to Piketon, Ohio, and it's not getting there. The the canisters are empty. Uh- All right. So that's what I wanted you guys to hear. So on my um, Twitter, uh, at Tori underscore says, and on f- my Facebook page, Tori says, and uh, I've pinned an article of, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really informative. It actually m- helps you understand the nuclear relationships, the uranium and all this talk, because you know, what's really hard unless you've had acute clearance or you work within energy, even at a low, lower clearance, or you have a degree in chemistry, physics, or biology to understand this. High enriched uranium, low enriched uranium, natural uranium, centrifuges, they make no sense. In that article, not only do I demonstrate to you and tell you how we have been, uh, you know, how we um, put the nuclear facilities in Iran in 1967, how we have been uh, making Russia rich, uh, you know, parsing and creating uh, highly enriched uranium and low enriched uranium top end, which is under 20 percent um, in regards to its enrichment, let's say, Um which is used for nuclear fuel to fuel reactors and power. Right. But I tell you about these canisters. Okay. These are really, really important. So what George Webb is telling you is that this highly enriched uranium is supposed to be disposed of. That's what he's describing. And I put it in there in my article and you'll see that in October of 2016, right? It was at that point at the end of October that Putin realized 
that this agreement that was in place between Barack Hussein Obama and Putin in regards to disposal of uranium. Okay, we're talking now. We're talking like 2016. We're talking like now was not happening according to their agreement. So his uh, parliament, you know, the government actually on October 19, 2016, passed a law that he signed into law terminating this agreement he had with the U.S. at that point because you know, Russia had invested money in creating these, you know, facilities that George Webb just spoke about, which are supposed to downgrade it, which means dispose of it safely because highly enriched uranium is used for nuclear weapons, uh, you know, for experiments in regards to energy. And we're not talking plutonium. We're talking uranium. Okay, plutonium is another one, too. And, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about that. So I mentioned that and introduced that to you in the article. It's a walkthrough. It deserves coffee. If you're a cigarette smoker, spark one up and read it. It will help you understand what is going on because, uh, you know, when we have half-baked knowledge, we we can't have full command. We just know something's corrupt, but we don't know why. So this will tell you why. So, uh these canisters uh, are what the U.S., what Barack Hussein Obama told Putin he was doing. Oh, no, no, we're not like violating the agreement. What we're doing is we've altered it. We're just not using the facilities. But what we're doing is we're using canisters. Really? So where are these canisters? Who are you selling? Or where are you hoarding highly enriched uranium that's dangerous? And this is why Putin is the only leader of any nation on the planet right now saying, guys, in 2021, the START program, which is which regulates the use of nuclear weapons in outer space and elsewhere is expiring and nobody is coming to the table. And what he's concerned about is. All the while that the United States has been funneling highly enriched uranium somewhere and Russia doesn't know where. And, you know, you'd be like, well, we're not going to tell them where we're putting it. And it's like, well, hold on. Hold on. Uranium, plutonium. These are highly radioactive materials. These aren't things that we should mess about with. And the one thing we should never do with something very dangerous or, you know, that can cause destruction, not just locally, but globally, right, is to have everything transparent, right? That's what responsible people do. So like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, everything, right? The more illegal and the more, um, uh, how, how would I say, um, specific it is as to who can have something and not luxury goods, etc., the more people want it and the more there's a black market. And what's wrong with black markets is, is that you don't know what hands they fall into. Transparency is key. Now, you may think that the Iran nuclear deal was a really good, it was a very bad deal. It made Russia rich, Iran still the center. Remember, Iran has over 50 years of producing uranium, highly enriched uranium, low enriched uranium, and plutonium. They were one of the world, like leading in the world for decades in this production. 
And what Burisma was and is was an expedited move to exclude Iran since they were not compliant enough and in turn exclude Russia for actually trying to maintain transparency. And you're going to be like, wait, what? But Russia is the enemy. No, Russia is a superpower that is a threat if ever they get weapons of mass destruction or they get this idea in their head or they get a leader that decides let's take over the world kind of you know same thing with china and obviously venezuela because venezuela is one of the most dangerous ones and i and i said that and this is why what happened in venezuela and what is going on in venezuela that started over a year ago was because we were sending canisters to a place that was unchecked, to a place that we thought we had a leash on. So on that note, I'm going to play two minutes of of the clip everyone says uh, reminded them of listening to the show in November of 2018. Take a listen. Russia confirms the successful firing of its new hypersonic missile. Claims it's invincible. Russia's defense ministry announced two of its nuclear-capable strategic bombers arrived in Venezuela this week. The Venezuelan crisis has entered a new phase. If Russia continues talks about these undetectable missiles, China will likely feel threatened. It's been reported that China has up to 300 nuclear warheads. The CIA strongly believes North Korea has accumulated enough nuclear material to create one or possibly two weapons. So, the question will always be, with what lens are you watching the news? Let's say you just got home from work, you get through the door, you turn on the TV, and that's what you see. What would you assume is the most major threat on the world stage? Anybody, just call it out. You don't have to raise your hand. Definitely Russia. Definitely Russia. That's confident. I like it. <laughs> Who says Russia? Anybody agree with her? Hands? Okay. Great. Who else? China. Stop yelling at me, but China is a good answer. Anybody? Who else? China. North Korea? North Korea. Any North Korea takers? And uh, Venezuela? Anybody? No? Oh, yeah. One guy in the back. A little worried about Venezuela. Everybody's cool with Venezuela? No threat? Okay. Let me ask you this. Which one of these places can claim to have the largest oil deposit on the planet? More than Saudi? More than Iran? Wow. Okay. What about things like gold? More than all the mines in Africa combined? The fact is that Venezuela is arguably the single greatest resource of oil and minerals on the planet. So, why is this country in the midst of one of the greatest humanitarian crises in modern history? Let's meet President Nicolas Reyes. After rising to power on a wave of nationalist pride, in a mere six years, this guy has crippled the national economy by half. He has raised the poverty rate by almost 400%. Luckily for the rest of us, he's up for re-election. So. And Maduro, not Reyes, has also appointed over 2,000 generals. See, we had this conversation last year, didn't we? Where um, I told you that, you know, Venezuela is a gold mine in regards to resources and how I've told you that Turkey is a gold mine as to, uh, uh, as to uh, geographical location. 
See, the distractions and what lens you see things as, you know, Tom Clancy put in this show is your objectivity. How objective are you to the information that you were bombarded with every day? This is why I say sometimes you have to stand on the moon and see where the hot spots are. You know, who knows? Maybe I have a little rocket ship that takes me out into space where I can look down, right? Or puts me through these things where I can see things differently. No, it's not. It's because we're not paying attention to the right things. Now, I have to say that in that episode, it shows like a graph of Venezuela showing 300, uh, 300,000, you know, whatever they wanted to put his measurements of oil, but in actual facts, it's 336 years worth of fossil fuel, worth of natural gas and crude oil. And unfortunately for the fake news, and obviously this is a fictitious show based on maybe some truth, um, Saudi Arabia was shown to have 267, which is false. They only have 36 years of this commodity left. So, you know, obviously they're going to boost it. And the fact that it was combined gold mines of Africa, you would have to add the mines in Greenland. You would have to add the mines in Australia to get an actual quantitative proper figure. So what's important is, and I hope through this first year of just being on the radio, um, that I've achieved, aside from giving you real news with no, you know, frills, perfume, and putting lipstick on pigs, uh, that you've learned to be able to parse it through, that you've been able to see it. That way, you know, the discussions that we have through the airwaves are fruitful and um, educate us to be uh, knowledgeable voters. And being a knowledgeable voter is very, very important. Uh, it's almost as if, uh, you know, when we sign our health release, you know, for a procedure, uh, you know, in the hospital, you have to have informed consent. So in essence, what I'm trying to say is that for over a century, Americans have been heading to the ballots Without informed consent. They've been giving consent to governments without proper information. And the economy that the president has now built, the movement of allowing uh, for us to communicate because of this technological advancement that was being weaponized against us is actually a mean for us to be able to be informed. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you weren't able to just watch the news in Syria or Turkey or Russia or the Ukraine or Australia. You couldn't pick up, uh, you know, your phone and look at the latest alert. And you couldn't have access to people like George Webb that stand outside of a courtroom after a court and give you a summary of what's going on so you know what's going on. Because as we know, and as we saw, and as it's being demonstrated every single day by Project Veritas, the mainstream media is not your news source. They kill stories. 
They killed the Epstein story. They have the blood of so many faceless and nameless children on their hands for not putting it out there. They are responsible for that. They are responsible for the Obama administration. They are responsible for the Bush administration. And I'll tell you what, they are also responsible for 9-11. You know, I'm not saying that they put things into motion, but they helped orchestrate the show. They're responsible for Hillary Clinton. They're responsible for the mess in Iraq. They're responsible for everything. They're responsible for the Taliban creation of this Russian jihad of, and what is it about? It is about control. It is about power. Lady Justice, (laughs) interesting. In this nation, in this day and age, almost everyone goes to a courtroom faced to prove their innocence when it used to be the other way around, isn't it? Wasn't it that way? That was indeed the way that you were innocent until proven guilty and within one administration that has changed. You are now guilty until proven innocent because they have moved the courtrooms to the society through mainstream media, which is giving you their version of the facts. Imagine that facts have versions. So after the break, we're going to delve into a little bit of the past. I'll see you all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I think that what we need to do is revisit things I talked about, maybe not on the radio, but through other means. Uh, for those of you that have been following me from my, you know, banned personal account up until, you know, I use my radio show account um, in 2018. So in 2017... I was uh, talking about uh, the arrest of um, Prince Al-Walid, and it was really, really important. See, even though Saudi Arabia has been painted as one of our uh, biggest enemies, uh, they have been proven to be one of our biggest allies out of necessity. Okay, necessity because they are running out of resources, necessity because of the uh, problems that they were having with Yemen, which uh, yesterday I reported to you was solved. Um, They mediated, uh, you know, uh, the situation in Yemen. And this was important to their economy because once they're out of oil, I mean, what do they got? Man-made islands? (laughs) Just saying. What do they got? So Prince Al-Walid was very, very important. Before Barack Hussein Obama even entered into the political scene, he was political scene, meaning the presidential political scene, because as a senator, Obama was really, really on the down low. But 
he is connected to Huma Abedin. And Huma Abedin is like, um, Polid, uh, who married Mr. Polid, who now is sitting within Amy Klobuchar's office. It's like a handler married in handler. How can I explain it? And you know what's funny? President talked about handlers, didn't he, during his last rally? So what people need to remember is that on November 5th, because even though this was news on November 6th, it's always like a day late, right? Because you never want uh, your dates to be um, identifiable easily. You know, when someone says, remember, remember the 5th of November, uh, you know, these things are not really going to come to your mind because they happened on November 6th. So we arrested the prince, the Saudi prince, Al-Walid, who is connected to Huma, who is uh, financially in bed with Barack Hussein Obama. And so, you know, this was something that was pretty interesting, right? It was very, very interesting. One has to sit and think. How is Al-Walid and Clinton, you know, connected? How are the Bushes, how are they connected in 9-11? Right? These are questions. Well, all we need to do is revisit to our conversations that we had just two months ago. Uh, well, in September, which was Amalgamated Bank, which was BCCI, which was the energy companies in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia prior to, you know, Saddam Hussein invading Kuwait, right? These uh, are things you need to remember. These connections are passed on and tapped on throughout the same click. The same people keep emerging, keep emerging within the Justice Department to bury things, keep emerging to sway the stories. They're all positioning themselves where they need to be so that they can obfuscate that historical track. I mean, uh, what was it today? I think I have that clip. There was a young man who was crying on TV. Gosh, darn it. I didn't save it. Um, he was crying on good day America saying that, you know, millennials don't need to know history. Like they need, they don't need to be put under the stress of knowing the atrocities that happened in the past. We just need to focus on today. And, you know, we need to not stress about that because when I got out of school, I didn't know how to save up for a mortgage. I need to be taught skills to enter society, not care about how I got here today and what sacrifices were made and what my history tells me about today. Mm-hmm. This is only the beginning. You know, we saw it with the statues, with the, with the, oh, we want reparations. You want to talk history? Pay me, pay me. You know, we saw this. So obfuscation of what has happened in the past is really important. See, you would say, well, Tori, okay, so they're all connected. They all made money. They all were funding each other. But were they really funding it? Just wa- they were just washing money. They were making illegal money legal. And this is how Burisma became 
a key player in nuclear energy, became, mm, I would say, victim of their own happenings, and I'll get to that. But what happens, okay, when something big happens to a country? Like what can happen? Like a collapse, um, a war, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I want you guys to remember how I had told you, you know, when your wife or if you give birth, that if you ask for a detailed bill from the hospital, you'll see crazy charges like a $400 holding baby fee, a piece of cotton, and they're charging you 400 bucks for it, right? So in a time of necessity, because an event is happening like a birth, big companies or sharks or people that just think they're smarter than you will charge you crazy ass stuff like a Q-tip, $200. I kid you not. You need to look at these things. Well, what do you think happens when it comes down to our federal tax dollars and aid going out? Maybe you'll see charges like... um I don't know. Uh, blanket, $1,000. Toothbrush, $15,000. And you're thinking, what? How is this even possible? Huh. How come we can't balance the books for over 10 years within the USA, USAID books and Treasury cannot reconcile? Why? No one asks. So think. What is the common factor when it comes to energy? What is the common factor? You would say the military industrial complex. Yes. But the common factor is that it's all about power. Either that be uh, geographical power, meaning situating yourself geographically, or actual power, meaning oil, gas, nuclear, right? Uranium, plutonium, you name it, it's power. I want us to talk about a company that no one really talks about, Halliburton. Halliburton is around, is, is a global company, <laughs> has really close ties with the Clinton Foundation. And, you know, they build out oil rigs, right? So they build out oil rigs. So you know how uh, President Trump sent out American companies, contractors to build oil rigs in Northeast Syria and, um, you know, our soldiers to protect them while they build this out and begin the trade, right? Like I said, we're going to make money off of that. He actually used, um, a specific company that generates cash straight for the federal government. So this is actually going to fill our coffers, not line the pockets of a private company, right? So this takes us back to when, you know, we had Bunny expose, you know, federal contracting deals of like billions of dollars on no bid deals. This one was with bid. This one does was done in a bid and it was done correctly. And it was done in a way that we fill our nation's coffers. I mean, we've got trillions in debt. We need to, to take that down, don't we? So. Back then in Iraq, when we were literally stealing oil because we didn't get any money from it, did you guys see any check that says, here are proceeds from our cut in 
investing in oil rigs in Iraq while we were at war. You didn't see any of that, did you? But we're going to see that now coming in from northeastern Syria because it's like, yo, we're investing federal tax dollars in here, so we want a royalty. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you guys watch Shark Tank, but it's like Mr. Wonderful saying, okay, so I will invest this so you can build this and you can build this and make money, but I want a dollar in perpetuity for every drop of oil you sell. That's how you get back. And I'll do this until I get my money back and you're safe. (laughs) Pretty vague on the safe thing. But regardless, you get your money back. So here's where we're dropping coin into northeast Syria and we're getting it back. But what about Halliburton? Halliburton, where did that money go? Those oil rigs that we helped fund to create. How did that go? And think. How many people within White House positions of the past that are in Senate now and have resigned ever since the Trump administration came in that are in the House or have resigned ever since have big fat portfolios and are affiliated directly with Halliburton? Someone has to think about it. I mean, wait, Halliburton. So... Wait, Tori, are you saying that this private company went in there with federal backing and the federal military protecting them, right? Our military, federal military, and that was a Freudian slip, uh, going in there and backing them. And you're saying that we pay to create oil rigs and protect these oil rigs that was for a private company and we didn't see a dime. Yes. And who else made money on this? Oh, it was Prince Al-Walid. Oh, was he connected to Saudi Arabia? So what are the Saudis doing in Iraq? Getting oil and then reselling it because they're running out. Huh. And then here's the deal. I'm going to tell you something that's going to completely blow your mind. A month before we arrested Prince Al-Walid, right? We had that lunatic, right, in Vegas that by himself was in a few places shooting people down. Did you know that he worked for the defense audit agency? Like he actually went in and audited government contracts um, and fixed and cooked books to make sure that things that were no bid looked like they were bid and they were legit. It made money that was coming in looking like it was actually producing, um, I don't know, um, product. Yeah. So that lunatic that everybody wants you to think was in a lot of places at the same time in Vegas shooting people up was actually the guy who had his hands all over Halliburton. Defense contracts and defense contracts that did not benefit our pockets. Are you getting this? So you mean right before he right after he was killed, we arrested the prince that was leading all these efforts in the areas and getting us situated. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Energy, power, 
you know, and this leads back to the conversations we've been having for the past two months about Osama bin Laden, also known as Osama bin Laden, right? And how he was trained by our own people in Langley and that how he was permitted to just travel freely, how he led the Russian jihad and weaponized the religion of Islam, you know, that is very easy to do, by the way, and created terrorism, created the notion of jihad. Think, when 9-11 happened, why did Bin Laden's family that was living in the United States, how were they allowed to fly out of the country? I mean, if we know he did it, and we knew he did it, then how did we authorize travel of their little private plane to fly back to wherever they wanted to go, either that be Syria, Sudan, now known as South Sudan, right? Where's North, right? Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Afghanistan. And think, you know, and you don't even have to think real hard. If you read all the articles that I have written about, you know, 9-11, about Bush and about his atrocities, you can guess what airport they flew out of. It was that airport that he had invested in. It was that private airport in Texas that the Bushes own, right? So you have to think, you know, Saudi Arabia and Bin Laden, everyone's like, oh, it was the Saudis. It was the Saudis. Yeah, you got it half right, but it wasn't really the Saudis. It was your own people. The biggest terrorist right now holding America hostage or within our borders. And they are using the mainstream media as their megaphone to silence, coerce, and smack you in line. You know, you have to, you have to see, you know, Saudi Arabia. All right. Okay. Yeah. We know he's Saudi. He's this. He's part of the royal family. Blah, 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 blah. Well, think about it this way. What if I told you that Epstein helped in all of this? What if I told you that, you know, all of this kind of helped? <laughs> think. What kind of passport did Epstein have? What kind of passport did they find of Epstein's, guys? This is all coming to light now. Two years later, after it's been discussed, what kind of passport did Epstein have? What did they find? That's right. It was Saudi. So isn't it easy to money launder When you're using humans, when you're using something that's off the books, when you have a black market, a very strong black market, you have to think the rhetoric that the mainstream media pushed the day after President Donald J. Trump won his presidency seat. They have been doing one thing, and that is 
throwing bombs at the fascia. The fascia, which is what? The bundle of sticks. They are dividing us every single day. They are paying protesters to show division. They are creating outrageous scenarios of vicious attacks of Americans on Americans. They are bombarding you daily with notions of racism, sexism, feminism, thisism, ism, ism, ism. Why? Because... United we stand, divided we fall. And like I've said this before, and like the president has said many times, they are the enemy of the people. You know, the one thing President Trump did, okay, and this is pretty important. We have talked about the Bush family links Starting from like Roosevelt when, you know, his daddy's stuff were confiscated for funding the Nazis. I talked about the royal families of Italy that were extradited and are in Mexico and all this stuff. We talked about this. We talked about BCCI. We talked about all these things. What did President Trump do? Day one that I've been on the radio, I've been talking about following the money. The minute, the minute you disrupt their ability to move money, it's done. It's kind of like when you throw your clothes in the washing machine, right, guys? Have you ever stopped? Say you unplug your washing machine mid-cycle. Your, your clothes are toast, right? They're toast. And then when you restart the, the washing machine, it's just not the same. You're going to have to start all over again. So think. If you just give it a hiccup, where they have to replug in that machine to wash that money good and transfer it. What happens? Mistakes. What happens? Whoops. What was that? Mm. See, with disruptions, Sleepy Sessions did a lot of stuff, didn't he? You know, everyone's like, Huber, Huber, Huber. Huber, Huber was on the money laundering thing. Huber did a lot on that, you know, slush funds that Sessions cut. Huber just took that and ran with it, right? You're thinking, oh, yeah, we have Uranium One. We have Fast and Furious. Well, what about, uh, you know, the, the, the other Fast and Furious, you know, in the Ukraine? What about, uh, you know, Klobuchar, McCain, Graham, and Yovanovitch in the Ukraine? Huh? This is what we cannot understand. Think. All these people have one thing in common. All these enemies of our nation have only one thing in common. And that is their ability to have a lot of money. So then you have to think. This is where the genius plan kicks off. And we're going to... Um, you know, uh, lead into the second hour after the break with this. But here is where it's genius. So all these politicians, all these ex-politicians, all these amazing fake news journalists that bury stories, imagine they buried a pedophile. How many murders? How many conspiracies? How many things have they buried, altered, or silenced voices of? So they have a lot of money. Think of all these politicians that have entered office and how rich they've become. Damn, that Halliburton. Uh, look how many of them have portfolios fat and thick with that stock. Well, 
and Westinghouse USA doesn't go back. Okay. We'll get into that later, but think money. So what President Trump did was boost the economy by creating jobs. That means he removed millions upon millions of Americans off the teat of the state to be dependent for money, food, shelter, right? That's what, that's the genius thing he did. He took them off the teat that they've been sucking on, which is the federal taxpayers that work. So people are now more independent and can actually think about buying a house, feel that they have stability. But why? As I've said before, you have to think who controls the Federal Reserve. You have to think if the Federal Reserve is fake dollar, 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 then why do we have it? Who is making the money? Who negotiates these ra- these rates? Who? <laughs> And this is where it comes into redemption. Redemption, redemption, redemption. Imagine pulling the plug on monopoly money. But you have a job. You're a coal miner. You're a timber guy. You're an electrician. You're a nurse. You're a doctor. You're, 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 you're still functioning, right? Except for those in the banks. They'll have to take a hiatus for a bit. If you pull the plug and say, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. Let's do it with gold. Let's pull the plug. Let's do it with gold. Let's go. Let's go. See, the United States of America on their corrupt days had smuggled enough gold. We got some. Everyone is buying gold. We got some. So let's just regulate our economy based on gold. Whatever. I'm just saying. And then what happens? The economies globally collapse, but yet we see smart leaders like, you know, uh, China, Russia, even the European Union starting to pull away from the dollar because they know what's up. And then you'll have the media telling you how horrible it is, how you're going to die, how you're going to lose money. And you're thinking, hey, I've got like three checking accounts with $250,000 in each of them. And I don't sequester it more because those are FDIC insured. You have millions and you have debt. And I don't have debt anymore, by the way, because the bank was reset. And so my dollar dollar means lots of dollar dollar. And then you have to think all these talking heads, all these politicians. The minute the dollar tanks, they have absolutely nothing to manipulate. They can no longer manipulate money. They can no longer wash money. They can no longer generate currency out of thin air money. And so the most genius thing he did was empower the people of the United States with the economy, even though many people say, well, he should have done something about health care, just like they're pandering right now. Oh, he should have done something about health care because he lost Kentucky. No, Kentucky let us see how they rig elections. Kentucky let us see, and just like Scott Adams, who is very sick, by the way, this morning said, you know, they threw in that third candidate to pull out those votes. Yes, they did, and they will try everything, but you know what? He's made America great again. How? By empowering every citizen of the United States. And you know what? You knew all of this stuff in 2017 and it's 2019. So right after this break, we'll revisit what we talked about on air in 2018, what I've posted, what discussions were being had in 2018. And you're going to see, whoa. So what's happening now is really not news. It's just something that's inevitable. 
And hopefully this anniversary show will help you see just how elaborate the plan is and how awesome it's turning out to be. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Nearly 18 years ago, Muslim terrorists killed 3,000 innocents. Sadly, nearly 18 years later, the Democrats in Congress are supporting their freshman colleagues who see that tragic day of 9-11 as merely, some people did something. This is one of the reasons why I'm running for Congress. I will expose, confront, and combat the anti-American radicals who are trying to make the blaming and hatred of America the norm. A member of Congress should never support terrorists who want to kill Americans. But that's exactly what Representative Ilhan Omar did when, as a Minnesota state rep, she wrote a judge begging for leniency for nine men convicted of joining ISIS. And if that isn't enough for you, she was only one of two reps in Minnesota to vote against a bill that blocked life insurance payments to the beneficiaries of terrorists killed in attacks. A Palestinian flag, which is really the flag of the terror group Hamas, should never be displayed in the U.S. Capitol. But one is, and take a guess where it is, in the office of Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib. Those things are unacceptable, coming from members of the United States Congress. Yet it happens daily, and congressional Democrats remain silent. It's time to make America safe and Congress sane again. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of the Tory Says Show, the anniversary special, where we time hop to what I call my anniversary. See, on November 5th, which was my first airing, I actually had stage fright, uh, just so you guys know. And I was airing, I think it was like 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. only on Red State, Monday through Friday at first. And then I had my slot moved to 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time at the end of November. Um, but Scott Adams kind of, you know, ushered me into that because unbeknownst to many, I was never public facing. Um, as someone who's, uh, been in the background for the majority of her life, uh, coming out, uh, with my face, my voice and my name was an extremely difficult situation. And I can tell you it was driven by, um, a defense, a strategy, uh, when, like I've said before, people who speak truth and it's a well-known, you know, um, I would like to say it's a, what do they call those? Oh my gosh. Today I am lost for words. Um, proverbs. Uh, it was Winston Churchill who said, you have enemies. Good. That means you stand up for something in your life. And enemies that can terrify you guys, you have no idea the attacks. Uh, And I'm not just saying like personal attacks, you know, I, if anyone, you know, appreciates trolls, it's me. Um, cause you live rent free in their head, right? (laughs) But there are the scary ones. And yesterday I actually had a scare and I'll tell you guys about it. Um, but they attack you not only, you know, on social media where they talk smack and, you know, create memes of you guys, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, uh, or, you know, anything else, but they spill out into your life. They harm you financially. They go after your children. Um, you know, they try everything 
you know, they do. And it is a struggle. And I said, no better example, you know, I can't complain as much, but, you know, no better example than, you know, Matt Couch. He lost everything. And I have too. I'm just not, you know, totally open about it. But I'll tell you what happened yesterday. And you'll be like, what? I went to the post office to pick up a package, which were uh, birthday presents for my younger daughter, for my sister. And so I pull up to my driveway and I'm like, oh, I have to go inside now, but let me have a cigarette outside. Uh, rather than the cold frozen garage, I had the nice warm comfort of the car. So I'm sitting in the car and a car pulls right up next to me in my driveway. And there's this woman who's on the phone and exits the car uh, once she hangs up and then reenters her car and picks up the phone and starts talking again and then walks right out of her car and attempts to enter my house. All the while I'm sitting in, in, in the Chevy, that's my daughter's, that has very tinted windows, but you can kind of see if you like were paying attention, um, you know, in there taking pictures of this person. And, you know, obviously she, she went for the front door, but heard my, um, alarm system. I have a great Dane and a great Pyrenees, best alarm systems ever. And so she walks back and then heads to try to go into the garage. So obviously the minute she leaves and I try to like get an angle, I get her license plate clear as day. And you know, that's where I'm thankful that I have a Google phone. Their camera is impeccable. Um, so I zoom in clear as day with the license plate and as I, and I call the non-emergency line of the police. I didn't call 911. I called non-emergency because I'm in Minot, North Dakota guys. Like, there's like, you know, 20,000 people and that's if living within city limits. So I call them and I tell them, yo, this person like tried to get into my house and they were trying to get into my garage um, and not the front door. The police were amazing and so nice. And they look like they were new guys. So nice. So courteous. I walk up to them when they come to the car. I show them the pictures. I was like, here, you could just scroll. I took tons of pictures. Um and they had already run the plates because that's exactly what I gave over the phone. They already knew who they were looking for. They were actually looking for the car. And I'm assuming that she was stopped and questioned. And obviously we're like, well, you know, oh, it's okay. She thought it was a daycare. And I'm thinking, oh, daycare? And you try to go through the garage? Like, who puts kids in a garage? And why would anyone go to a daycare that has kids in a garage? So I took that with a sense of, all right, whatever. But, you know, I carry... I've got, you know, surveillance, but this is a real thing. They will attack anyone that speaks truth. They will attempt anything, you know, because I've had like random people come to my place and say, oh, we're like a real estate agent. We just want to know if the house is occupied. Can we come in? And it's like, no, you can't come in. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, seriously, it was, it was random things that happen. And it's, and it's actually terrifying to think about it, but I, I'm not scared. Do you know why I'm not scared? Because President Trump is the president of the United States right now. And he is looking after every single good American out there. You listening right now that sits there and complains, that sits there and tweets and talks. And you're thinking, oh, retribution, I'm worried about it. You don't have to worry about it with President Trump in office. Not at all. No worries. 
you have no need to worry because he is awesome. And he's got angels looking out for you because every time you say a prayer for that man to keep doing what he's doing and maybe, like he said, for 17 years, um, you're going to be just fine. The thing is, we need to complete the war. We need to complete every single battle that we face with our shoulders high, straight, and our eye on the prize, and that is freedom. Because any freedom-loving American is currently under attack, regardless of where you sit, where you are. I mean, we already know that they weaponize the IRS against people, don't we? Now, let's walk back in time where I'm going to play a clip just so you see how relevant it is. From my November 6th episode, just a few minutes, to see just where we are today and how pertinent it is to what's going on today. Take a listen. Let me. Party is or what time it is or who she's with, but she does remember clearly that it's a pool party. And does remember clearly that there were these guys and they were groping her and touching her and she ran away and she could hear them having a conversation. Remembers the guy's name, maybe a couple of other people who actually said they don't remember anything like that. And they testified to that. So no proof, right? No timeline specific. You know, it's just like, yeah, it was around then. No location. And yet they believed her. There's people that have, do you know how many innocent people are in jail? Tons. And it's not because they're guilty. It's because they didn't have enough proof to prove that they were innocent. So we go back to the, hey, our system is failing part, which is honesty and agenda driven. Just like the president said, isn't it innocent until proven guilty? Why did it feel like Justice Kavanaugh had to prove that he was innocent? Oh, my gosh. Isn't the president saying the same thing today, guys? (laughs) Pretty weird, right? How are you going to dispute claims that have no time, location, event, or any specificities? I mean, seriously. But this is what we saw the Democrats do. We saw them asking for outrage for people pouring out into the streets and breaking things and being uncivil, literally asking for people to revolt and cause disruption in our society. And and, and no one of the mainstream media is condemning that. Okay, so... This is still happening, right, guys? So now we have hearsay and gossip being considered testimony in the Ukraine. Like, they have nothing. So it's kind of the same thing. No time, no place, no crime, no factual recollection. Just believe her, believe him. And some whistleblower that Chuck Schumer said, you know, No one knows who the whistleblower is, but tell him if you do. And that's because, you know, people are like, oh, look, Adam Schiff is like pressing charges against the staffer for leaking because he told them to leak names. I said this already. 
Why would he be prosecuting or going against his own staffer for leaking a name? I mean, I got staffers in his office and Pelosi so far up there behind. They have no idea. My eyes are everywhere. Just like every good journalist has sources like that. They're not being prosecuted. They're giving me facts. Oh, but it's because they don't care that you know the truth. They don't care that I know the truth and all our listeners on Red State know the truth. They just care of the truth that is challenging the mainstream media to put it out there because they planted that version of truth. Just remember that. For me, it's kind of like, what? Are we literally allowing them to advocate to overthrow our government. That is actually a law, a federal crime. But on the other hand, President Trump can't just lock them up. And people need to understand that. I am one person that's like, oh, I'm so impatient. I want them all in Gitmo. All of them. But the thing is, we can't do that. He can't do that. Because if your top law enforcement are just as corrupt as the clowns you want to throw behind bars, you will never succeed. You have to get rid of them first before you can arrest them. And that is exactly what he's doing. Exactly what he's doing. He's getting rid of his top law enforcement that is covertly working against him or blatantly working against him. And we see it every day. We're watching it happen and unfold in front of our eyes every single day. I remember when I was doing research into Peter Strzok, and I realized that this guy is not FBI. I actually broke that story, but, you know, I'm not CNN. I'm not on Fox. So I really don't count according to the mainstream media. And then I discovered that he was raised in Iran. I discovered his dad helped overthrow the regime in Iran. And Iran back in the 70s was awesome. Really, it was just like Egypt was. It was like a, you know, very cosmopolitan, women wearing skirts and boots. It was very forward. It was very westernized, as one would say. And then here comes the U.S. government with their um, NGOs entering places, overthrowing governments. I mean, his dad not only went there, but he went to an African country and overthrew the government there, and they changed the name. You can find that article on Big League Politics. I wrote about it, and then everybody else wrote about it. I'm very careful on what I write because I do some federal contracting, so I can't really write a lot. This is why I I don't write a lot of things in my byline, with my byline, and now that it's actually evident that I write, I can't even write under my pseudonym. But I'm going to tell you, President Trump is literally draining the swamp. We don't see it, because the swamp is so deep. You would be shocked. So that was a year ago, and we're seeing now that the swamp is being drained, right? We're actually seeing it. We have to remember that the only thing they want is power. They will lie. They will cheat. They will promise you the moon and the stars and the world to get it. They don't care about the United States of America. They don't care about you. They despise everything that the United States of America stands for. That is what you have to remember. We need to remember history. We need to remember those that have given their life. And it's so weird that we were talking about this last year today. 
how it is important that we honor those that came before us and how we don't forget. We don't need to, to forget, um, history. We don't need to, um, uh, not be taught about World War One and World War Two. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible, guys, that this, I'm trying to show you that everything in the past is literally showing you the future. You don't need to have a crystal ball. You don't need to jump on a Pegasus to fly through time. All you need to do is remember your history. Your history tells you everything you need to know. It tells you every little bit of necessity that there is in your life that you require to function as a um as a citizen, it is there embedded in your history. You want to know how sick you may become? What do you look at? Your family history. The one thing we need to remember is that you have to stand for something. And we have to stand united. This is how we have to stand. We have to stand for our freedoms. We have to stand for blind justice. We have to stand for our liberty for what's right. And most of all, we do not kneel. We stand for that flag. That is how we win together. And by protecting our votes, of course, right? How do we protect our votes? By observing what happened in Kentucky. See, Kentucky is a commonwealth. And you would say, well, it's no big deal. Kentucky's not big of a deal. Uh, well, you know, at least the attorney general is a conservative. And you know how weird it looks? Oh, well, you know, the liberals there didn't want Bevins. He was, he's good. He was good. I've met the guy. Um, I worked with him when it was in regards to voter fraud in 2016, where I had reached out to him. Um, he was a good guy. But, you know, they couldn't vote against a black man, so the attorney general won. <laughs> I'm just saying. So it's important that we stand together. And that we pray for those that don't see it. For all those insane, uh, you know, liberals that are calling African Americans, black Americans, however they want to identify, you know, it's like none of them are really from Africa, but whatever. You know, Hispanic Americans where they're calling them Uncle Toms and all these derogatory terms, they need to just pray for them. Uh, like, um, if you guys aren't following Millie Weaver, you should. She actually covered the Lexington, Kentucky rally. And she was there where there was a Trump supporter, a, a black Trump supporter being called the most derogatory things. And he said, I'll pray for them. Not right now. I'll pray for them because we need to forgive their sin and heal them. Uh, you know, because that is how we get everything done. Now, what we need to understand is that as we stick together, as we champion forth for the truth, um, we also need to see just how much has been done. We need to see how, how we've come to the point where we have hit the Achilles heel in regard to the Ukraine. It's important that we see that. And it's important that we see the successes that we have accomplished. Remember, 
when uh, Lindsey Graham came out and he was talking and then he said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to give my seat to Grassley. Grassley gave him that seat on purpose. It was all part of it. The cabinet members that we had that were snakes were important. The fact that we won the Senate and not the House was important. How would you have come to the point where you have a charade of an impeachment if they didn't have the House? How would you have them pull their own pants down, tire the nation with false narratives and hearsay as if it's evidence? How would you do that? By letting them have the House. By letting them think they have control. Because they only have two years. It's the Senate that's important, right? They only get two years, right? That's not, you know. Uh. So you have to remember that everything was done for a reason. The choices, the resignations, the movements in positions. Good luck. Gowdy. Think, think. Who's sitting on committees? Who's moving? Who's doing? Come on. This is military strategy unfolding in front of your eyes. Uh, and I would say it, w- it would be superior. Maybe people are fans of Alexander the Great, who was able to take over most of the world with people loving him and throwing flowers at his feet while he was conquering them. This is the best plan, the most thought out plan, the plan that people ache to recreate. If you're a general, what you focus on is strategy. And what you do study is to demystify Alexander the Great strategy, how he won battles strategically by placing troops, how he won over nations that he never stepped foot in. You know, in the end, he died of syphilis, right? Because he was, <laughs> he liked his women, but <laughs> he was a strategist like no one else. I mean, you know, the only way uh, you can see this is by what I said over a year ago. Uh, you know, when they were talking about, oh, President Trump is going to announce his rerun, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, Trump Pence. And I was like, Trump Flynn 2020. And now we're seeing that. The only signs we see at rallies are Trump 2020. Where's the word Pence? And if we remember, it was in November that I said, you know, I'm just going to tell you this about Flynn. There's not going to be clear him, pardon him. There's going to be like a case dismissed. Here's your back pay. Here's how you're reinstated and you're done. And I want to see a Trump Flynn 2020 ticket. If not Trump Flynn right now. I want him to fire his vice president and put him in. I mean, man, you know, wires, Rod Rosenstein. uh, Come on. We all know the show. We all know what happened. Let's just, uh, you know. mm -hmm. And Melania was the one that picked him and she was right because he'd never had the cojones to run against the president. That was the thing. Even though the minute he was appointed, guess what he created? A Pence super PAC. Mm, like we don't see these things. Come on, man. You can't turn tricks to a hooker, right? So what you do, though, is if you're a good fisherman, do you like ice fishing? Do you like regular fishing? What's the key to being able to catch the fish? Is it position? Yeah, maybe. Is it patience? Yeah, maybe. Is the bait. <laughs> 
And they always go, you know, corrupt people always go for the low hanging fruit and the, I would say the compromise fruit. And this is where we get into barisma. Let me, let me, let me walk you through how barisma happened. Okay. Because this is, this is what's incredible. What people don't know is the way Hunter Biden got his job was because a man who was very, very powerful, uh, was being investigated by the United Kingdom, who by the way meddled in our elections and used the full force of their intelligence agency to deter the election of President Trump. Uh, well, this guy was literally arrested and he was being, uh, tried. You know, he was out on bail or whatever, but he was being found guilty of, um, money laundering. $35 million. His name was Mikola Skolovsky. He was the Ukraine's former ecology minister and the owner of Burisma Group. So in late February, the first week of March, you know, a guy that can launder $35 million pretty much has a lot of contacts in his phone. He got in touch with John Kerry and Quid Pro Joe. And he said, listen, man, I got a big problem here. They're going to take me out for money laundering. I need help. And, and we'll split the profits of Burisma. You're good. And it was just then that week that that came after that phone call and we got records. If you got my records, I got your records. And we got those meetings. Yes, we do. Oh, Carrie, geez, he's really quiet lately, isn't he? So what happens is, is that Carrie and Biden swooped in. So suddenly the United Kingdom made this whole criminal charge just poof, go away. And, you know, obviously they were involved in this Russia collusion hoax. But here is where it happened. Joe Biden had this bright idea and he said, yo, Barack, call Michael over. Let's grab out some whiskey and let's talk about this. We're BFFs. You know, Iran's being not nice. And I don't like the fact that Russia has no debt, man. They're just Teflon. You know, if we're not working with them, they're working with the Chinese. They got their fingers all over Venezuela and they're not leaving. They're just pig headed. We need to like exclude them. And so this interim agreement that we have with Iran in regards to nuclear energy, we need to restructure that and redistribute it. So you know how the European Union is smart, right? They're like in the Ukraine and taking over like their gas and their crude oil, all this stuff, you know, that they're getting, you know, they've invested a little bit in nuclear energy. What if we do that? There's this company that needs help. What if we use our clout, make that go away, and then we get in there and we sort it out? We'll get them to do low uh, grade uranium and, uh, you know, low enriched uranium at a 3%, 4%, and then up to the 20% so they can create the fuel pellets and it'll just cycle and we'll own everything. We'll get all of our friends involved. Everybody will get a cut. And I'll make it happen. I'll stick Hunter on there so we could get some money in the back. You know, we'll all be perfect. So that's how it happened in 2014. That's where it began in March. And it was signed, stamped, and sealed with a kiss in May of 2014. And after the break, we're going to continue this walk through Burisma and what's to come in regards to the Ukraine that Adam Schiff has so gracefully offered us with this faux impeachment. I'll see you all in a bit. All right. 
right. Welcome, everyone. Okay, so this is where the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland comes out. Um, and I want to tell you guys, I mentioned in my first hour, for those of you that are jumping on now, and I will have this uploaded as soon as possible, as soon as humanly possible, because I have a great guy out in Idaho that is so amazing that on his own is just, you know, uh, creating my audio and fixing it. So, cause you know, I like to jump all over the place, um, without commercials for you to listen. If you remember, I told you. That in 2017, I was telling you that Epstein is linked to Saudi Arabia, linked to, and, you know, obviously we found his passport and linked to everything. And now everyone will say unsealing Epstein is key for the child trafficking. Child trafficking was just the one of the most lucrative industries for those Luciferians, right? But it's just an industry to them. When you unseal Epstein, you are going to unseal the power struggle. You are going to unseal the deep. Can I go? Who is Epstein? I told you first when Epstein was arrested, how I had his jet on my eyes in the Middle East in a place that a private jet of Jeffrey Epstein should not even be close to with generals and members of the federal government. I also told you that it had landed in Japan's naval base. Who is Jeffrey Epstein? Pedophile, not only. He is the key to everything. Unsealing Epstein will take the cloak off The masks will fall and like cockroaches, they will run. And this is exactly why Adam Schiff's eyes are popping out. He's in the corner and he's scared because when it comes out, aside from the fact that human beings, any human beings, no matter how crazy they look, no matter how crazy they sound, no matter how much they crave for Kant and Marx and, and socialism and communism, they cannot forgive the rape of a baby, the rape of a child. And this is what we're going to use the humanity they have the humanity they have at that core because everything else to them (laughs) they tune out they tune out of the power struggle wars they tune out about the um, slow movement to enslavement they tune out to the bigger universe that is ahead of us to the small role that we play in this cosmos and how they want to make their mark and lead (laughs) Alice in Wonderland uh, the 5th of November pretty interesting we'll revisit that in 2022 the 5th of November so where I was in the previous half hour before I told you how Epstein also ties into this, because that is the point of Epstein. Okay. The pedophilia is the heartstring. That thing that just triggers tears thinking of children being burned alive, children, babies, infants being raped and choked, maybe even used for a nice meal afterwards just to enjoy their glory. That is how disgusting these people are sick. But here is how it unfolded with the Ukraine. So this guy is desperate and that's how we get in. And see, the Ukraine is at a point right now where people are like, well, they got the people's president. Like, no, they don't. 
He just announced to the Ukraine yesterday that they're going to make a NATO-based army for the European Union. So dumb. Could it be that this comedian is pulling a fast one on the globalist? Maybe. That'll see. But what you need to know about the Ukraine is that the debt they have externally owed to other countries is almost equivalent to their state debt internally. And they are so far into debt, they can't see the light. Yet, they're saying their goal is to reduce the the debt to 52.4% of the GDP. That was announced today by the finance minister of the Ukraine, Oksana Markarova. Which, by the way, so you guys know where I get my news... People of the Ukraine use Facebook a lot. So all the news are there. And I wanted to mention, okay, and you can Google that if you want on Ukrainian sites like Interfax and whatnot. Facebook actually regulated political ads in the Ukraine. But they're not doing it for the United States. And you know why they're not doing it for the United States. Thank God for Laura Loomer. Because if she didn't have a lawsuit against them right now, where they proclaimed her a dangerous individual, where they silenced her and others, we would have political ads being uh, shifted on Facebook too or banned like Twitter did. I just wanted to point that out. Now, impeachment right now is the only way they find, they see as a hope of light of saving their butts, but they can't because we already have every single piece of evidence we need. And we know this from the testimony, and I'm using air quotes, which is all hearsay that came out of the mouths of these clowns that have been paraded in front of a chef. I mean, think. Why are we using the House Intelligence Committee? Think about it. You have to think why we're using the House Intelligence Committee. You you do know that Epstein was part of the Intelligence Committee. We know this now, right? This is why Acosta had to, like, get rid of that case, right? We know this. And the reason he was dismissed was more for the eyes of the people because he already told everything there is to tell. So we had the deep state, Mueller, Comey, Hillary, Obama, all these clowns protecting Epstein. This is where you get to the impeachment. Now, what you have to think about is, well, how does Epstein tie into the Ukraine? Well, he ties into Burisma. He ties into everything. We're talking um, the Biden carry Burisma thing is nothing compared to how huge these off-the-book sales of nuclear energy, the military-industrial complex, and these webs of shell companies with these quid pro Joe-type deals happen. You have to remember, I tweeted out that picture of McCain, Graham, Amy Klobuchar, and Yovanovitch that was taken on New Year's Eve in the Ukraine in 2016. Why were they there? To offer reassurances, of course. Don't worry, we got this. You'll get this. You'll still be in control. You'll make money. And we'll sell the uranium and the plutonium we need where we need it. And we'll get more companies on board with you. Don't worry about it. And in fact, in 2019, just so you know, in February 2019, PAR Systems was actually added onto the master list of vendors by the Department of Energy, Barry, right, um, as a nuclear energy supplier. And remember, PAR Systems, Jared, and all these other shell companies that feed into it are 
pulling Klobuchar on. She's really quiet lately, isn't she? <laughs> Pretty weird. And so what you have to think is some of these companies are Amy Klobuchar's who's running for president, who has her handler, which is Mrs. Poland, sitting in her office right now. So we've got PAR systems selling nuclear energy. We've got orders of a Navy contractor placing orders to the Department of Defense for millions of dollars in equipment that was paid but never delivered. Kind of like the canisters of uranium that we supposedly have but never reached their destination. So where is all this stuff going? I mean, do you pay millions of dollars to someone and expect no product? Think. Graham, McCain, Yovanovitch, Klobuchar. Why don't they tell us where all this stuff is? Is it in the Ukraine? Where is everything? How are they making an army for NATO if we're the ones supplying them with things? So we're supplying them with things to benefit the European Union? I don't think so. Do you guys think Trump is that dumb? Nope, I don't. So Ukraine, just so you know, is the Achilles heel of this globalist elite. It is the biggest Achilles heel. Like one slice there and they're done. And this is glorious. Because the Ukraine is going to be their downfall. Remember, the Ukraine was left in limbo when the USSR collapsed. They were up for grabs by smart people. And people that worked within the Ukraine thought they were smart too. (laughs) But not so smart. And you know where you can look at? I want you guys to know that uh, there was a guy who was... The head of um, finance, um, like kind of like what we have as our treasury, right? Um, he, uh, his name is, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Um, he was the head of finance. Uh, gosh darn it. It's slipping my mind right now. He was, he's Ukrainian, a young guy. Uh, in 2017, he came to... Um, the United States to attend, right, to attend the inauguration of the president of the United States of America, President Donald J. Trump. Okay? He came to attend that. And so after he attended this, the anti-corruption division of the Ukraine went to the U.S. Embassy. So think of them as like the FBI anti-corruption unit for the Ukraine, so it makes sense to you. So that person went to the U.S. Embassy, okay, and said, yo, um, Ivanovich, so this guy, he's like the head of our Treasury Department here, right? So uh, here's the deal. Uh, he went to the inauguration of the President of the United States. Here's the dirt I have on this guy. Take a listen and look at this. Guess what happens to this guy? You want to hear brain meltdown, like the same stuff we're getting from Assange? Because everyone's reporting breaking news. The deep state wanted, you know, Assange to be locked up in jail in the UK and not extradited. No diddly. We talked about that. And here is how the deep state did the same thing to another guy in the Ukraine. Think. What do they do? They take them, they make their brain mush, right? They make their brain mush, complete mush. And 
Lock him up. This guy was actually released. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, his name. Roman Nasirov. Okay. I actually published an article last night um, on ToriSays.com, and it's titled Exclusive Quid Pro Joe, Hunter Biden, John Kerry, Burisma, and Criminal Investigations in the Ukraine. So this is like the treasury guy. Okay. I want you guys to, to follow this. He is the one that follows all the money. All right. So why did the anti-corruption bureau of the Ukraine? So think of anti-corruption of the FBI. Go and sit down with the U.S. embassy and say, yo, our politician who's like the secretary of treasury here is like so bad. Like they're having coffee talk and gossip. He actually went to Trump's inauguration. So let's arrest him. Guess who follows this arrest? Who ensures that this arrest and who attends the arrest of a Ukrainian politician, the head of the state fiscal service when he gets back? The U.S. Embassy. Like, think about it this way. Would you ever expect that the FBI... I don't know. Let's just pick FBI Joe Schmo guy says, yo, um, so I got, I got walks over. Let's, let's pick a country. Um, South Africa, since you know, Pompeo is down there. It just so happens that he was, uh, he wasn't down there. He was talking with the South Africans before he's going to Germany because stuff's really about to go down right now. So anyway, he, he walks to into the South African embassy and he's like, yo, ambassador of South Africa, let me tell you something. I got some real good dirt on Dr. Ben Carson. And guess what? You know your prime minister that was elected in South Africa? He went to the inauguration. We're going to arrest him when he comes back to America. And then the ambassador of South Africa is like, oh my gosh, can I be there? I'll bring my own people too. I want to see this arrest and walk it through. What? That would never happen. Yet it happened in the Ukraine. It totally happened in the Ukraine. And you know what's really weird? Suddenly, after Giuliani, after Durham, after Huber as well, and other prosecutors had entered the Ukraine in the fall of 2018, this guy is magically released in December of 2018, reinstated into the, the, as head of state of the fiscal service of the Ukraine, and paid back pay for every day he missed of work. What? Like, what? It's like taking Dr. Ben Carson, incarcerating him, slandering him, calling him a fraud, a thief, putting him all over the news, making him wear an ankle bracelet for 18 months. And then suddenly you're like, oh, shoot, our bad. You could go back to work now. It's like, um, huh. And this is why Marie Yovanovitch was trying to screen information from the prosecutor general's office. And the prosecutor general wasn't really kind to Poroshenko. Poroshenko didn't know how to tango. But you know what? Uchenko knew the Argentinian tango. He's kind of, he was kind of a badass. I mean, he was in bed. He was found. He went to jail for corruption and he convinced the deepest of the deepest swamp. Maybe he was recruited. Who knows? Right? He convinced Joe Quid Pro Joe, the schmo 
Oh, I will help you. I was in jail. Just help me become prosecutor general again. I will help you because I want to clear my name. All right. Well, then we're going to have to make the Ukraine change the law to get you in there. And you'll do this. You'll drop the charges on this. Of course I will. I'll do anything you want me to. What if we recruited him? Like, what if I was a recruiter for this grand plan? And I said, yo, Luchenko, here's what you're going to do. You went to jail. You want, you want your revenge, right? You want things to go better? You want to be known in history as the guy that helped the Ukraine come out of poverty and enslavement, voluntary enslavement by those that are greedy? Let me help you. Because they threw you in jail the minute you started to talk about it. So you're a good guy. Let me help you. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to penetrate the deep the deep state and say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Let's play. I know how to do this. So suddenly the Ukraine decides you don't have to be a lawyer to be attorney general. You don't need what? A law degree to be the top lawyer of the nation? No, no, no. We're just going to write it into the Constitution. You don't have to. Hey, Luchenko, what's up? You're prosecutor general. Great. Let me delete this criminal thing. But I didn't really delete it. See, because they're all still there. They've just become dormant. See, that's the way it works here. I'll put it dormant and then delete it so it doesn't look corrupt. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No problem. As long as Hunter's fine. Yep, it's fine. That's how it happened. That is exactly how it happened. And Luchenko using this amazing treaty that we have with them, right? The most long-standing, I guess, without alteration treaty with the Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters makes it clear that the prosecutor general speaks to the attorney general directly, and that was not allowed. Why wasn't that allowed? Because they knew the minute the guy that was thrown in jail (laughs) was let out. That there were problems. That's how Marie Ivanovich heard that he may and that Giuliani was asking questions and doing things. Giuliani was there for his client, dude. He was just checking stuff out for his client that happens to be president. It was Durham. It was Huber. It was other U.S. prosecutors that you don't know about that were already there collecting information. Specifically, all these crazy Crazy, crazy criminal investigations that are filed from March of 2014 leading up to 2018. And did you know during the elections in Poroshenko, one of the cases were actually closed and one, you know, parliament member, one, one, just one, not many, just one actually demanded that it be reopened. Just one guy. One guy that came on the record just a few days ago, Andri Derkach, right, who said that the arrest of the head of state fiscal service was supervised at that time by the U.S. Embassy and he showed documentation. Imagine the U.S. Embassy interested in arresting a foreign national. Do you know why? That is their trump card. Do you see where I'm going with this? Their trump card is to say that that guy flew to the inauguration to let Donald Trump know things and that he was working uh, with the Ukraine. But that's not what happened. But that'll all come out, right? Because unbeknownst to many, the Ukraine has started extraditing people. Do we have any coming to the U.S.? I don't know. 
But what I did get from the spokesperson at the prosecutor general's office is that they've received seven requests, seven, of transfer of criminal proceedings, seven requests of which one or more can be requests from the United States. And I would think that those requests mm, may be coming to the surface soon. I mean, you know, when you transfer criminal proceedings, it means that, oh, you're trying, say, Marie Ivanovich for high crimes in the Ukraine for meddling or whatever, right? So you're trying her there, and you're like, well, wait a minute, she's an American citizen. I'll try her with your stuff, but I'm going to try her here for committing the crimes over there. Gimme. Do you see what I'm saying? Huh. Specifically, a case that was filed in April of 2018 is uh, of most interest to me. It was the one that was closed under Poroshenko and that was revived by this parliamentary guy. It was according to that one that was filed under Article 111 of the Criminal Code of Ukraine, which is called High Treason. So think, the Ukraine is a lot more. This rubbish that we're seeing, the talks about Joe Biden having his hand in the cookie jar, is nonetheless a power struggle. A power struggle at the expense of Ukrainians. A power struggle and attack on Ukrainian people, Ukrainian citizens with federal tax dollars and the power of the United States of America that comes with it to enslave their nation to be their key nuclear producer. And you know, what's weird is that it's so dumb that these corrupt individuals that are responsible for this don't see this, that the more they create and diversify where they get their nuclear fuel from who they trade with, they lose equity. I mean, how many of you have seen shark tank where they're like, I'll give you 5% stake in my company. Yet the person giving the 5% of the company only really owns 20% of their company. So in the end, they're only going to own, you know, uh, the 15% of their company. Uh, you know, it's, it's not worth anything by saying, I'll give you 50% of what I own in my company. And yet what you own in your company is only 1%. They have liquidated and thinned out their equity in control of their nation done in cohorts with Germany, the United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States. And when we're talking Uranium One, we all know how it happened. Westinghouse, Kamarok went to Canada and hopped over to Russia. Because if you read the article that I have pinned on my Twitter, you will see that Iran has been the leading nuclear energy producer for the planet for over 50 years. And as they tell you that Russia is the enemy, you need to remember, if they were such an enemy, then why did we entrust them in taking all the uranium enriched to whatever point we allowed Iran to enrich it to based on, you know, what technology centrifuges and um, stockpile they had, why were we giving it all to Russia? Russia was making tons of money through it. Why? And, you know, Hillary Clinton was the top salesperson for Westinghouse nuclear energy. Westinghouse. When she was in the Czech Republic, she was telling him, hey, you don't need Russia to like buy oil and gas. You totally need to buy American. Totally. And in my article, I cited an article from 2012 where um, 
she was ousted completely like to be a shill. She was shilling for Westinghouse. Why? Kickbacks. What George Webb that I played on the video was talking about in the first hour of the show. Kickbacks, kickbacks, kickbacks. It's all about lining their pockets. It's all about making money for themselves. It's never about the people. They hate this nation. They hate you. What they want you to do is stand in line, listen, be obedient, and just let them, you know, make tons of money. This is the first time in uh, modern history that a leader is giving power back to the people aside from that time of George Washington when he brexited for the first time and gave the people of the United States hope that there can be a nation on this planet that is free, that can work together in diversity and in harmony as long as we follow the basic Ten Commandments Morals, guys, just morals. And when we're led by a bunch of people that are immoral, how do we expect morality to proliferate in our nation? God bless President Donald J. Trump. What he goes through is incredible. And remember, time machines may exist. And the ones that you have access to are the ones that take you back in time so that you can see that they're good guys at every moment in time, looking out for you, looking out for your future, you, your children, your grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. On that note, I want to tell everyone, thank you for giving me a great first year. God bless. And I'll see you all here tomorrow.